you can be very methodical around what are your core functions, your KPIs and all that. That's great. But there's so much creativity in what you're doing, especially as a small startup or a small business. There's so much you can do and mold and places you can go. And if the doors say no and close on you, there's so many more doors you can open because you're so nimble. Welcome to the Ripples of Radical Generosity podcast by Coralis, a global community of women and non-binary people making real progress on the world's to-do list. Together, we're transforming the world to become more equitable and sustainable. Hello, everyone. My name is Connie Henson. I've been an activator at Coralis for several years now. I really value being part of a community that's determined to do business differently and to work in keeping with our values of generosity and getting important work done. I am absolutely privileged today to have the opportunity to talk with Vanessa Murillo, who is the founder and managing director of I Am Grounded. Vanessa, let me hand it over to you to introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Connie. Um, so my name is obviously Vanessa Murillo. I'm the co-founder of I'm Grounded and I'm Grounded is an upcycled snack company. We're utilizing the byproduct of fruits and vegetables, namely from fruit uh, for coffee beans, um, which we'll get into later. But essentially, we're a modern day business that uh, focuses on taking uh, unused parts or unseen parts of the fruits and vegetables that we grow in, and transforming that into delicious and nutritious snacks for consumers. That sounds fantastic. And I have had the opportunity to have some of your product and it's really excellent. I love the bars, but we'll get into that in a bit. Why don't we start, Vanessa, with why don't you just tell us a little bit about your venture? Like, what do you do and, and what problems does it solve? Yeah, sure. So I'm Grounded began in late 2018 with the concept to bring that naturally caffeinated energy source, which is from the coffee fruit um, into market, whilst also contributing to a healthier, more sustainable future. I myself come from a family of coffee entrepreneurs with my father being a very well-respected coffee fruit scientist and, and food scientist and my mother being a coffee importer. Um, my family migrated from Colombia to Australia when I was very young but bore with them the love of coffee and the knowledge of coffee as well into an Australian market which at that time was drinking tea and instant coffee. So it was a very interesting stage of our lives, but also it was very interesting to see the growth of the specialty coffee movement in Australia and grow up in the midst of that. Um, so since the age of 15, I've been immersed in the industry. I've, I've, I grew to, to love coffee from a very young age and was very lucky to accompany my parents on multiple origin trips back to my home country of Colombia, but as well into Central America and Southeast Asia, where my father was a coffee trainer and a international coffee judge. So with, with that knowledge of from farm to cup, um, we always knew about coffee being a fruit. So I'm not too sure if any of the listeners um, are familiar with coffee um, itself and how it's grown, but it's essentially a, a shrub. It's a grows in tropical climates, but it grows as a fruit inside of beans. So what happens is the beans that we drink for coffee are essentially plunged or depulped from a delicious cherry. And that cherry is has tropical tart flavors and is high in antioxidants, has natural caffeine, of course, but it is an unused and unseen part of the coffee process. And generally around the world, coffee farmers haven't got a waste management system to uh, 
to decompose and to um, basically offset that waste from when they harvest the coffee beans from that fruit. So what happens is it just gets put into a huge pile of waste on the farm. And because it's a tropical climate, it rains constantly. And what happens is it starts to leach um, its way into you know surrounding waterways, into the soil, and farmers just can't decompose it and compost it naturally because there's just so much of it. Mm. We're talking uh, roughly about 20 billion kilos of this byproduct that's wasted yearly around the world. Uh, so it's representing a huge waste problem as well, but um, roughly estimating about 16 million tonnes of CO2 emissions are released because of this waste that's being dumped and not being composted or upcycled in a proper fashion. So that's what we're doing with I Am Grounded, where innovation is at the forefront of what we're doing, as well as still taking those natural clean energy sources from that fruit which tastes really amazing and turning that into a, a very modern day snack for the modern day consumer mm. that is so interesting just to, to hear about even you know the idea that for whatever reason we started with the beans and didn't even think about the fruit you know it's the opposite of a lot of kind of plants that we do yes. so that's that's fascinating even of itself but I love the kind of the whole sustainability, environmental impact that you, you're talking about and that upcycling of a fruit and a, you know, an absolutely nutritious and excellent food source that was being completely wasted. Yeah. That's a great, great understanding of kind of what the problem is, what was going on. What, how did you think of the venture? How did you get started? Yeah, that's, that's a really um, interesting point. It, talking about the history of coffee we've actually coffee's been around for a thousand years and we've really for 500 years we've started to commercialize coffee in coffee houses and it used to obviously be used as a as a tool to wake up a lot of the business people that were tr trading modern day stocks and it made its way from africa where essentially the history says that it was it comes from originates from ethiopia and it made its way into european tea and coffee houses and then to the u.s and now it's you know a global phenomenon we drink three billion cups of coffee every single day wow. and um it's just you know it's just something <laughs> that people rely on every day to wake up but um so many people don't know how coffee is grown and I've been lucky enough to have that backdoor access to actually see what's happening speak to coffee farmers and to understand um, where the pain points are um, in a lot of in the way we grow coffee, a lot of people in the industry know that coffee is hurting. Coffee farmers are not being paid enough for their yield and their crop. They're also facing unprecedented environmental and climate differences where they're potentially growing very sporadic yields and harvest year on year. So it's very it's a it's a very volatile crop to climate and to um to work conditions. And with COVID, a lot of workers weren't able to come to the farms to pick coffee. So there's a lot of there's a lot of things that um, depend on the growth and the health of the coffee industry, as well as obviously that huge waste problem with regards to coffee. Um, so I was lucky enough to have my father who is that food scientist and that coffee expert. He did some research with some coffee farmers in Colombia around the potential to empower farmers to utilize their unused byproducts. So that could be the leaves, the husk, the fruit, the pulp, the stalks of the trees that are unused. And from that, they were experimenting and they came up with a way in which we can extract the pulp and the skin into um, a delicious antioxidant-rich nutrient extract. And from there, that's 
you know, that's where the research stopped because you need to have almost a, a business mindset to take that into potential commercial use if that's what you want to do. And because I have a background in journalism and marketing, I um, I asked my dad, you know, what, what are we doing? What are you doing with this byproduct? And he had a multitude of ideas, but um, it got me really thinking about potential uses of the coffee fruit and um, myself and my co-founder Lachlan who is very interested in cooking he's a passionate cook at um, in the kitchen and he's also a very active person he said why don't we use this delicious extract that you have samples of and make them into some raw energy bars or some raw treats mm-hmm. and um, I was like oh look I, I that's such a left field idea like that I don't know why you would do that, but okay, let's try it. And he he did experimented with three flavors, which are the core flavors we actually still have today because they were so delicious. He put coffee in them because obviously the coffee coffee link. He had one with chocolate, and then he he made a zesty flavor with lemon and coconut, and they turned out so delicious. They're just a nut based raw treat, and we provided these snacks that we had um, made to a few friends and a few of my colleagues and my parents took it to their cafe and people were asking us, wow, this tastes amazing. They're energizing me. Like I'm feeling buzzed. What's in this? Like, can I buy it? And that was the light bulb moment for Lachlan and I. Like we had a, we didn't really think about the waste problem. We thought more, more about, wow, the flavor profile of the coffee fruit is so delicious. There's actually something here. And that's when we started researching and I started talking to coffee farmers and I started talking to experts and we started reading, uh, you know, journals on the on the nutritional profile of the coffee fruit. And the coffee fruit is a waste byproduct, so it can empower change. The coffee fruit is very rich in antioxidants, more potent than grapes and green tea in polyphenols, which is insane. And the coffee fruit tastes really good. So <laughs> those three things were like, okay, this is this could have potential. This this actually has a lot of potential to be a social enterprise that is for the planet for people but also is a a delicious product and actually can provide a functional benefit for the consumer which is that natural caffeine and the antioxidant probiotic nature of it so that was in late 2018 and we basically got the ball rolling we hired a test kitchen and we just went let's go into um MVP start stage. Let's just do this. Let's side hustle our way into this without really thinking about, you know, how how difficult it is to start a food brand, let alone uh, to grow and scale one nationally. Um, but that that was it. And then the upcycling waste part of it came after when we learned more about the impact that we can do. And, and we had the conversations with the coffee farmers in Colombia. And the more more of that knowledge came after, but it was very much self-centered at that first stage where it tastes good. <laughs> and <Yeah>. this is great. <laughs> I love that. I thank you for sharing that story. That's a that's an amazing story of how you got started. I think you know, it's just having that entrepreneurial mindset, understanding business, and having kind of the, the diverse background between Lachlan and yourself to pull all of that together to come up with something that is truly a unique and absolutely delicious uh, product. And I love the fact that you talked about it it came about because you were making something delicious because it is. And then all the other stuff that sits behind it just is icing on the cake, so to speak. So it's really, that's, that's very cool to hear about. 
so, you know, you kind of stopped at that point where you you got into the phase of just let's make it happen. Let's go. And it's so often said if entrepreneurs had any idea how hard it is to do this, they would definitely never start. Tell us a little bit about what that experience, like what's your journey been like? Our journey has been uh, very much a roller coaster. And I, I think anyone that starts a business has this same experience. Uh, it's not easy. It's There's so much self-doubt. There's so there's so many no's. There's a lot of yeses too. And they and it can derail you uh, mentally. <laughs> so um, one of the biggest challenges for us is as first-time entrepreneurs is to stay grounded, <laughs> literally to stay <laughs> grounded and to be focused on, on the core mission and the core. Um, outcomes of what we're trying to do but essentially at the start we were just uh we had contact I had contacts in the coffee industry I come from an advertising marketing background so doing a lot of work around the consumer being the set center of, of this product and what it means for them and working as well on the channels we can launch into so when we were hand making we went into cafes and roasteries we spoke to people about that connection with coffee that was great people adopted that very easily and that was a strategy from the onset is to find your easy early adopters that can also almost be your cult followers and get them on board with your brand get them to be essentially ambassadors of your product um, because that's free word of mouth mm. and so that's what we did and we we grew to about 20 or 30 stockers just by having those conversations within the coffee industry. And through there, we realized, okay, well, people need these natural energy snacks uh, when they're going to shop in their day-to-day, when they're online because they want it you know, fast or they, or they want to buy for their family. Um, they want to have it potentially um, in their office. They There's so many places and times people potentially want a snack that gives them a nice natural caffeine boost. So we started to talk to multiple people and and a lot of them were like, well, you need a distributor or you need someone to represent you. And we were like, well, who's going to distribute our products if we're still hand making them? And it doesn't, it looks very rustic. So we were very, like very much awake to the fact that our product was not, it was very rudimental at that stage. So we we knew we needed to go and take a few months and actually focus and hone in on what the business is doing. What up? So we essentially, we wrote our business plan because the products and the making came first. Mm. And then we were like, look, we should just, you know, hone it in slightly and, and actually have a business plan. Where are we going? What's our action? You know, who we do want to sell to? Who are our customers? And it took us a good three months to really finalize this business plan document whilst we were still obviously selling our products. And from there, we realized we need to stop handmaking our products and we need to go and find someone that can contract manufacture this for us so we can focus on parts of our business that we need to, to grow and scale. This was actually just before March 2020, so just before COVID happened. Whoa. And um, so we had heard about Kickstarter as a great way to get an amplification of your product and to get some global reach, but also a great way for, for consumers to back your pre-order of your of your innovation. Mm. And so we launched our Kickstarter in March 2020. Like oh, no. <laughs> literally the day before lockdown, we, we launched it. 
it was good. Like we we ended up raising over twenty thousand um, dollars, and we had people from the US, you know, all over the world, essentially Australia, in Asia, and Europe. We had people from Russia, <laughs> Romania, <laughs> um, Mexico, Ethiopia purchase our products, and then we had to realize we had to figure out how to ship to them, which was a logistical nightmare afterwards. But <laughs> essentially, that for us was like, wow, we didn't really believe, like we didn't think people outside of Australia would be interested in this, like. You know, you, you have a very closed mindset when you're yeah. growing something in that way. You're, you're really thinking about the next day mm. and how to move the stock you have now. You're not thinking so much blue sky. And that for us was a big light bulb moment that this product or this company is more than just, you know, a snack bar, you know, using coffee for it. It's There's a, a sustainable mission. Globally, people are attracted to the idea of making an impact on a product like this. It tastes great, all of these things. And they helped us to, to basically uh, crowdfund our first production run of our bars with our contract manufacturer here in Australia. And when that first batch of bars arrived, those pallets of bars arrived, I cannot tell you how proud we were that was in August 2020. So it'd been a few months since the Kickstarter and a few months of working on the formulation and all the MPD research for it. And we finally received that first pallet of bars. And then we were like, great, now what? Now we've got to sell all these thousands of bars that are perishable and going to go off in a few months. Like we need to hustle and move. So, you know, it's a quiet reflection of proudness and then go on to the next thing. So yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but we've um, we've been very lucky to have been around some amazing people that really believe in our product and want us to get into some amazing retailers. And um, we've got over two hundred so retailers now. We're selling online. We uh, we've got interest in the US uh, to stock our product, and we've done so much amazing work listening to consumers and uh, iterating our packaging as we go. So we're very excited for next year. We've got some amazing plans for growth and scale. So we are uh, just anticipating these um, next few months so that I can we can finally tell the world what we're doing. But it, it's been really great. It's been a roller coaster. It sounds like it, gosh. And, you know, I love hearing it's like there's this kind of almost parallel track happening. There's the, you know, absolute passion and excitement and creating things. And then there's, okay, get the business going and think about the business and think about the strategy. And, and that kind of weaves back and forth. And I just, I love the way that you're, you're talking about that. Because I think sometimes people think they get into business and you must have, you know, you know, eight point business plan and, you know, it's all thought about. It's like, no, actually it's a really creative and hustling process, isn't it? Yes, a hundred percent. You are the master of it. So you, you are literally creating as you go. And it's, that's the exciting part of starting a business is you can be very methodical around what are your core functions, your KPIs and all that. That's great. But there's so much creativity in what you're doing, especially as a as a small startup or a small business. There's so much you can do and mold and places you can go. And if the doors say no and close on you, there's so many more doors you can open because you're so nimble. And that's why some big brands, they can't adjust and they can't jump onto new trends and new innovations as quickly because they just don't have that mentality, that mindset that, you know, young and first time entrepreneurs and small business owners have when they're, you know, that they're really trying to grow a business. Yeah, absolute agility. I, I just love that. The other thing that's just really striking me is how close you've stayed to your customers. You know, you really understand, and, and maybe you can talk with us a little bit about that, kind of how do you how do you stay so close and understand so well their perceptions and their wants and needs? Yeah, well, as as the as you know the 
two, three person team business that we are, we we get uh, customers coming to us and they, you know, they're telling us what they want. They're telling us feedback and we're very receptive to that. And I've been, we've been receptive since the start um, because this is the first time in the world anyone's done a snack bar with you utilizing the coffee fruit. So we're first to market in Australia, but we're also first in the world to do something of this form. So listening to consumers in a collective and being uh, smart about how that feedback trickles down into your product changes has been really important for Lachlan and I. From the formulation perspective um, and to the packaging callouts, we have we take time to to digest and then go, okay, how many times have someone said that they would like more nuts dispersed? Or how many times has someone said that they would they didn't realize it was gluten-free because the call out wasn't, you know, big enough? Or um, how many times has someone said that the bar's too too big for them and they want a smaller version? That has actually helped us to shape future product innovations, future product um, lines that we've already started working on because we we understand our consumers when they want something and then they want a lot of them want it. We need to, if we can provide it, then it's it makes the job easier because we're not we're not trying to find new customers. The customers we have now, we, we're keeping them because they're the ones that are going to be your ambassadors for your for the future. And, you know, they're the ones that are going to bring people on to, to do the job for you, essentially. So that's kind of how we've thought about um, bringing consumers and our customers on, onto our journey. On top of that, we've also uh, invited our customers to join us as taste testers and official ambassadors of I'm Grounded. We have 30 amazing customers from all the demographics and the customer segments that we have internally, and they provide us feedback on future formulations, on future recipes, future packaging. They're the ones that are, we're essentially crowd making our new formulations with them. And uh, they've been very insightful because they come from a different perspective. They, they come from a product and, and job to be done perspective, which sometimes as as brand owners we we get very we get lost a little bit in what the purpose of what we're Mm. doing is in terms of from a consumer's perspective so uh, that keeps us on check are we doing what we're the right thing are we in the right mentality mindset selling buying mindset or are we uh you know just kind of coming up with crazy ideas (laughs) (laughs) you know I love it and I keep going back to even just like the name of your business I am grounded there's so many ways that you stay grounded, you stay grounded with your customers, you're grounded with the farmers, you're grounded, you know, in your own thinking, and it's reflected in the products that you create. Yeah, that's thank you. Really <laughs> terrific. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, I, I would like, I want to talk a little bit about your journey with Coralus. You started out, you did a Kickstarter that got you going. And um, then you somehow came to know about Coralus and got involved with the community. Tell us a bit about that. Yes, I have uh, a friend who's now a friend, but she she was someone that I connected with in the advertising industry who was an activator. And mm. she she lent me her time. She said, come have coffee with me because she heard about the, the business at its very infant stages. And she said, come have coffee with me. Um, I'd love to pick your brain or if you need to pick my brain because she's a seasoned entrepreneur. She'd raised multiple times. Uh, she was someone I, I looked up to as a mentor and we had coffee and she said, look, you know, you could, you should apply for she, uh, you, you, you would actually um, potentially, you know, be get in. And I said, 
what is TEO? Like, tell me more about this. <laughs> tell me more about what, what like, because to me it was incredible that there was an opportunity to, to participate in something like this. And she explained how Corralis now works and how potentially could change our business. And at that stage, we we hadn't made enough revenue, obviously, then to be able to qualify, but it was on the in the back of my head. And her and I have stayed in touch throughout the years. And she actually reached out to me last year and said, hey, the applications are about to close. You should apply. And I applied a few uh, hours before the cutoff last year. In true entrepreneurial form. Yeah, in true entrepreneurial form. I was in very like a very spiritual kind of uh, mindset and I just like started writing my application and I like the way that we can speak to our true self when we apply for for this like and a lot of the applications we've done previously it's so it's just very methodical and it's very much like point 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 what do you do but it's not it's not from the brand's perspective or the owner's perspective it's more from like how the brand can do something for that, like that loan or that, you know, fundraise or that accelerator. So I love the fact that it was asking me questions about myself and why I and all this stuff. So I was like, lovely, I'm going to talk about myself and like write all this stuff. And that's when I got selected as a semi-finalist. And I learned through there, through all of the amazing conversations that we can participate in, the community of people and how they're just willing to open doors for you and listen and be your customers. And that we don't experience every day as, as entrepreneurs, you don't experience a, a community of, of people wanting to essentially hug you and comfort you, um, which is, it can be a lonely road. So it was really nice. And so when this year came up, I applied again and I was very fortunate to have received uh, the news that I was a finalist and I was, yeah, it was a great moment for us because it just meant that the community, of course, they support us, but, you know, it, it gives you some sort of gratification that what you're doing is is more than just in your head or in some people's heads. It's It's got legs. And, you know, and I think you know, to be a finalist, congratulations, by the way, it really is an incredible achievement to do that because there's so many applications that come in and so many great businesses. So to, to actually be a finalist is pretty amazing. And I really take your point about kind of, you feel like the arms are wrapped around you. And I think that is so much a part of this organization and so much a part of just doing business differently. Uh, it, it is, it's very much about what are the ventures doing? What's your passion? And to know that, you know, thousands of women and non-binary folks voted just to see this venture come forward um, and are looking forward to what comes next. And that actually leads me to another question. It's like you've had an amazing roller coaster and amazing success just in a, in a very few short years. Probably don't feel that short to you, but uh, <laughs> it's just been a few years. What's next? Where are you going? We have very strong plans to scale nationally and to be a household name in Australia. And then we've got our sights set on global expansion. So we'd, we'd love to tap into the East Coast and West Coast of the US. We'd love to be in Southeast Asia. Um, our snacks are perfect snacks for, for busy on-the-go people. So essentially, we have our mindset um, globally. But for the time being, Australia and this market is a close 
close target of ours. The next year we have some great opportunities that we um, are going to be able to take up, which is going to give us some expansion and some really great reach across the country because it is a very rural country in some in some forms. So it's tough to be everywhere um, mm. in a retail sense. And then, of course, we're very much focused on our e-commerce and the growth of food commerce in general. We're very focused on how we can be consumer forward in that way and, and provide consumers with their boxes for their month every uh, every month or every few months and, and grow our line thinking about that sort of um, consumer time of need when they want to uh, pick me up snack. Fantastic. It sounds like it's going to be a further roller coaster in these next few years and the just the kind of growth that you've got in mind and that's going to happen for this organization. Yeah, definitely. We've just expanded into WA, which has been one of our goals is to get a great representative in that area. And we're seeing really good success and uptake of our snacks in um, IGAs and in all the health stores. And so that's been great. It's been really reassuring because it was a market we don't know much about, but we do get a lot of customers from our, on our website purchase from WA. So obviously mm. there's an appetite for snacks like ours there. Um, so we're very happy now we have representation. So we're in stores across the, the state, which is such a huge area yes. to cover. Um, so it's been good to expand into that market. That's terrific. And it's interesting to hear that in some ways that was led by your online sales. It's like it let you know the the desire, the need was there. Yeah, we definitely look at that when we, we look at the pockets where we're selling. And rural Australia, we get a lot of rural Australia because they don't can't find our snacks in, in person. Oh. So that's also a thing where we want to grow our presence in store because we want customers to have that availability and the convenience to purchase our products. But we can't keep up with that because that that entails relationships with distributors and potential buyers. So online is, is a great way to reach those consumers. And that's what we've been focusing on is online and then growing with our distributors. And anyone who's got a food brand will, will know distributors are hard work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially during COVID as well, not being able to sample and, and, and train the staff that they have and having the staff turnover so high. And obviously the inflation that we have with cost of living and cost oh. of food it's been tough for independent retailers to take risks on products like ours. So we had to do a lot of work to get in front of the right retailers. And that takes time. And with a small team, it's it's hard work. But, you know, it's a balancing act. What comes first and what's more important? Yeah. And I, again, I have to go back to your absolute flexibility and agility. It's like you, you kind of work back and forth as you need to and let each part of the business and each part of your ecosystem inform the next. So you make that next step forward, which is just really, really smart. Now, Vanessa, there, there may be other things you want to tell us, which I would love if there's any other uh, messages you want listeners to hear. But one thing I'm really interested in that's so much a part of Coralis is I, I'd like to know if you have an ask for the listeners. I would love for the listeners, if you haven't tried our products, jump on our website, imgrounded.co and take a look. We have small three bar sampler. We've got a box of mixed bars. So if you're not too sure what to purchase, there are multiple options. We also have a quiz on the website. So you can take that in case you want to learn what bars you might like best. But yeah, just support through there or tell people about our, our brand that you think uh, could uh, potentially be customers or or just talk about it. I guess tell people that coffee is a fruit is probably the most important one and maybe show them what it looks like um, so that they can see, you know, the unseen parts of our food system. 
That's fantastic. And I would absolutely recommend people to hop on the website and try the sampler pack. All the different uh, flavors are delicious. I like them all for different times of the day. Um, and I found I often just keep one in my backpack because, you know, you sometimes you're, you're in between things and you need a bit of a pickup and it's a perfect way to get a snack and actually feel like you, you ate something nutritious when you did it. So that's yeah. fantastic. Vanessa, is there anything else you, you would like to add that we haven't talked about this morning? Probably from just uh, going back to the consumer and, and the consumer's perspective, just about what the work you can do as a brand to basically highlight your amazing points of your product. So I know a lot of ventures have brands and products in market, but um, it's very hard when you're when you're a social enterprise or you've got a mission that's you know a sustainability development goal as part of your business. Very hard for to to get all those points across to consumers in six seconds or you know three seconds if they're in store and online. It's you know harder to reach. So. I think one of the things that I wanted to speak about and talk about is my learning from, um, you know, calling out the upcycled food movement and how consumers have been receptive to new call outs and new kind of terminology um, that we're talking about in that terms of food waste transformation. And I'd say make it as easy for consumers to understand what it does for them and then also have a point of contact or, or a point of reference where you can talk more about your mission later on. So adding QR code to your packaging is a great example. Um, we're adding, we're not talking about upcycling in that, just saying upcycling, we're adding the logo now. We're adding things to the product that is essentially making consumers uh, very, it makes their job easier. It makes, because people think fluidly, they're not going to stop there and, and really go, oh, how, like, what's the impact? Or like, how does it stop hunger? Or how does it, you know, do all these things? They think about, okay, how can I afford this? Or how can I put this into my day? When can I consume it? And then the last part is what does it do for the planet? Or what does it do as, as a general impact? And that's the learning we've had, we've taken from, from this business is, you know, sustainability is a huge part of, of our business call out, but it's something that doesn't motivate consumers as much as, uh, you know, what it does for them and the job that it does for them. And we've had to learn that the hard way. Um, so that's something I'd like to relay back to anyone that's got a brand or a product-focused brand to think about that if if that's relevant to them. Thank you. Two things I want to say. First, your generosity. And I just love it. It's like, you know, the podcast is about you, but you're sharing, you're giving back immediately to the community and the and the lessons that you've learned. So thank you for that. I'm sure that will be helpful advice to other entrepreneurs. The the other thing I, I, I'll just pick up on is this idea. And I, and I think it's so right. It's like people are busy. They're, they're just trying to get their need met right then. And uh, no matter how virtuous our, our mission is, really they're hungry <laughs> and they, they would like a snack right away. And then it's the afterthought about, oh yeah, and I did the right thing. So I think that's a fantastic, um, fantastic way to put it. And one of the reasons I was so interested in your business is one, it does all the great stuff. It is sustainable. It is upcycle. It is empowering and it's delicious. And that I think is really important. So I guess with that, Vanessa, we will wrap up. Thank you so much for taking time today. I'm sure the listeners will be really interested in jumping on the website, iamgrounded.co, and trying some of the bars and getting to know your business. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for listening to the Ripples of Radical Generosity podcast. 
Let us know what you thought of the episode and share this podcast with your friends. We invite you to join a global community of radically generous women and non-binary folks at www.coralist.world.